Ian Play with Pragmatic, made possible by Horton in Britain, a worldwide supplier of engine cooling systems and proud member of the community for more than four decades. HortonWW.com. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest was a multi-sport athlete in high school and college. And after his playing days were done, he decided to go ahead and be a basketball referee, which he did for three decades. He's the Webster Bearcat, the South Dakota State Jackrabbit, Clyde Hagen. Clyde, welcome to In Play. Well, thank you very much for having me, Craig. This is a privilege and an honor. You know, you were given the nickname Wide Clyde uh, by longtime broadcaster Norm Hilson. Why Wide Clyde? <laughs> well, he never told me exactly why. He just <laughs> said, he said, well, I thought it sounded good. So, <laughs> And it, it's funny that I still get called that today, 50-some years later. You grew up in Webster. You're involved with football and basketball and track. You know, I mean, I know you had success in basketball, but what about football for you there in the late 60s in Webster? What was football like? Well, I was a two-year uh, first-team All-Stater in football. And, and uh, our football team, we were 5-3 and three as a junior and 6-1-1 one and one as a senior. There weren't any playoffs in those days. No. And Millbank was, of course, a perennial powerhouse in the Northeast part of South Dakota. So we played in, played in a pretty tough league and got a lot of experience uh, playing football. Who was your coach? At that time, uh, my senior year, it was Harvey Hamrick. Who oh, just yeah. Passed away recently. Yeah, yeah. How was Harvey as a football coach? Uh, I knew Harvey, very happy-go-lucky guy. How about him on the football field? Well, uh, he he had that happy-go-lucky side. He related well with people, but when it was time to get serious, uh, he knew how to do it. I recall at uh, we were at Redfield, and at halftime we were only ahead by one touchdown, and he came in and he said he got rather lively and colorful <laughs> with his language, and <laughs> then he stopped and said, all right, all you little boys and girls, you go home and tell your mommies and daddies that I swore at you. <laughs> and not one member of the football team told their parents about that conversation. <laughs> you went on to win the game, didn't you? We went on to win the game by like 30 points. So <laughs> it was a, a great motivational speech, Greg. <laughs> was your family involved in sports when you were growing up there in Webster? Well, uh, not really. My brother had played a little basketball, an older brother had played a little basketball. And, of course, women's sports. I had two older sisters, was really virtually non-existent. Yeah, then. yeah. But I, uh, how I really got into it was I got into the armory one evening when I was in the grade school and shooting around, shooting baskets, and I found out if I went the latter part of the day, I could get into the armory and shoot some baskets. And the custodian there, Reuben Sandy, um, eventually gave me a key for the armory. <laughs> when I was only in grade school. But he said two rules. You can only have that one light on and nobody else can be in here. So I had an advantage over other folks that I could go shoot around in the evenings when uh, no one else did it. And, and I think that, uh, that was a big plus for me. So how long did that last where it was just you and the key and the armory? Oh, probably five or six years. <laughs> 
Bob Swanhorst was your basketball coach at Webster, and I believe Webster was his first coaching job after he had a huge basketball career at Crest Bard and College at Augustana. I think he was there for your junior and senior year. Was that correct? Well, Bob Swanhorst uh, came when I was a senior, but we'd had Marv Rasmussen my sophomore and junior years, so we had an excellent, excellent coaching situation going. And then when uh, Bob Swanhorst came in, uh, Larry Luchins came in as his assistant coach. That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's right. You know, for Bob, I mean, he had such a huge basketball career, and this is his first real coaching job. Uh, what was he like that senior year with uh, with that first job, uh, with all that success, and uh, what kind of a coach was he? Well, he hit it off with the players right away, both he and uh, Larry Luchins. They were, they were truly teachers of the game, um, demanding high expectations of people, and I think the players on the team responded to it. What about for you? What did they tell you? Did they uh, know uh, your position on the basketball court right away? We were, Craig, we were, we were a team that had, of kids that had been together since the fifth or sixth grade. And it was that same crew on through our senior year. And I don't believe in all the years that that crew was together with our, with our team that I ever heard a harsh word spoken between or against any of the team members. It was just a close-knit group. And I thought Coach Swanhorst and Coach Lucians really uh, provided the leadership. And they made it fun, but they also were demanding. And I think the balance was, was right, and uh, it turned out to be the, the what, secret to success for us. What were summers like in high school for you in the 60s? Because you played football, and then you went right to basketball, then you went right to track. You didn't have much time off at all. Well, what were the summers like for you? Well, in the summer uh, in high school, I went out and hauled bales and picked potatoes and just do a lot of odd jobs. But in Webster, we were fortunate that uh, I think maybe when I was a freshman or sophomore, the sophomore, the men in Webster had uh, constructed you know, an outdoor basketball court. There were actually two full courts outside. So every evening in the summertime, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock, the group would gather, and we'd play basketball until dark virtually every day of the week. Who were some of those members of the group that you played high school basketball? Well, uh, Larry Styre, uh Ron Jacobson, Mike Keller, uh, Morris Beersnick. That was kind of the base crew that we had. You know, when it came to uh, high school basketball in Webster, boy, they had a great run in the uh, mid-1940s. You know, they went to the state tournament championship game four times in a row. They won three of them, but it would be 18 years later for Webster to get back to the state basketball tournament, and that was your senior year in 1966. So how close did you get to the state tournament, though, uh, your freshman, sophomore, and junior years? Well, I think uh, I'm going to call the sophomore and junior years where, you know, we were close, but no cigar, that type of event. I I don't think we were really developed or prepared to to go to the state tournament, but we gave it a, we gave it a good run. Mm -hmm. And in uh, my senior year, we in fact won the championship game in overtime at the buzzer, 39 to 38. So it was, uh, it was a, a close game getting into the tournament. 
you know, South Dakota high school basketball during your time, we had uh, the two class system, 1936 to 1985. And that meant the class A schools like Webster, they were playing what now are uh, the double A schools. What was like, what was that like? Webster playing some of those bigger schools when it came to basketball. Well, I think Webster was, there were 32 schools in class A and the rest of the schools in South Dakota were class B. And I think we were either 31 or 32 size-wise. So you kind of looked up a little bit in awe when you're playing uh, a Watertown or an Aberdeen or one of the Sioux Falls schools or Gorman. Uh, So it was kind of a, a little bit of shock and awe to begin with. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about your senior year, 1966. Webster gets to the state championship game. You mentioned it was against Aberdeen. Uh, Aberdeen first time in 18 years to get to the state basketball tournament. So that let's talk about the quarterfinal game. What was uh, that first quarterfinal game like when you were there in 1966? Well, I, I remember we played Bell Fouche in the opening round, the first game of the tournament. And uh, I, I still recall that I, we didn't have breakfast until about 10 or 10.30. And I don't I think it was too close to the game time. So I don't think we were really uh, settled in and ready to go. Uh, we beat Bell Fouche, but uh, I don't think we played our best game by, by a long shot. Do you remember what seed uh, you were in that tournament? You know, I'm I'm not sure. It might have been four or five. Well, I know the semifinal game. You you were off. You went off. Thirty points, twenty one rebounds. Who'd you play? We played uh, Canton and John Eisenhuth and, and that crew. It was a game that I think we really gelled in, played well together, and mm-hmm. played good team defense, and and it all worked out. Well, then you go to the championship, and there's Aberdeen. Waiting for you. Uh, was it David versus Goliath? Uh, what do you remember about that championship game? Well, I, I remember I had watched uh, Aberdeen in the first two games, and of course they'd taken out a Sioux Falls team and Rapid City Central, and so they're the giant killers. And so I, I thought this is going to be a real challenge. But once the the ball went up, uh, realized that we could play with them. Kind of thought they were going to hold the ball and. So, but they decided not to do that with us, and we ended up with with more points on the scoreboard. <laughs> well, remember, no shot clock, no three point arc. Uh, what was the offense like between you and Aberdeen? Well, I think the uh, the, the final score is something like fifty eight uh, or fifty one to thirty eight, and it was uh, close up until uh, midway through the fourth quarter, and then we kind of pulled away. I do recall coming out of the game with uh, two minutes and 38 seconds to go. And I was on the bench, and I think we had a 12-point lead or something. And everything started chipping away. And my heart started sinking, I'm thinking. Oh, no. Whoa. (laughs) But it all worked out. You were named the tournament MVP that year. How special was that? What an honor. I mean, it was just just a... a real honor for a small town kid being uh, at the state tournament and then winning it and then being honored by such an award. It was a, uh, it was very humbling. Did they have a big parade in Webster the next day? Well, Craig, they did. In fact, uh, there's uh, south of Webster, several miles. There's a 
place they call the Lily Corner on Highway 25. And uh, when we came over the hill, there was a lineup of cars about a mile long uh, waiting for the for the bus. And so for the last nine or ten miles, we had a procession. It was about a mile long. And, uh, it, was, it was a big deal. Where was that state championship game played? Was it in Sioux Falls? It was in Sioux Falls. It was uh, at the Sioux Falls Arena. Mm-hmm. So after high school, it's on to South Dakota State. Were they your first choice? Well, I'll just tell you this, Craig. I was totally unprepared for the college recruitment process. I had no idea what was going to happen. I think I was contacted by nearly 100 schools. And I did visit a few big schools. And uh, finally decided that I wanted to stay, stay fairly close to home. And South Dakota State had some uh, high school athletes, John Thomas, Guy Mackner, <laughs> oh, yes. guys like that that were at South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just like looked like the right place for me. You know, freshman redshirted back in the day, you know, and you played football and basketball in high school, but eventually you played football and basketball at South Dakota State. But with the freshman redshirting, what was that year like after playing high school ball all those years and then really not getting a chance to play as a freshman? Well, the, the freshman team had a schedule, so we played a schedule. We practiced separately from the varsity, and at, at times we ran ran uh, scout plays against the varsity. But the, the first thing you notice that uh, – the physical development, you're going in as a freshman and and the physical development of the varsity upperclassmen is, is obvious. They're bigger, stronger, and in a lot of cases faster, but uh, uh, just learn to, to adapt. Why football and basketball at SDSU? Certainly it's, it's very rare for that to happen today. Uh, Jim Marking was your basketball coach. Uh, and then for football, I think you had Ralph Ginn for a couple of years and then Dave Cragthorpe, I believe, your senior year. But Jim Marking didn't have a problem with you playing football? <laughs> well, when I was uh, when I was recruited, that's one of the things they told me, that they wouldn't have a problem if I played football and basketball or if I decided to play one of the sports. So I decided I opted to give it a whirl to, to try to play both sports. And it, uh, it's pretty cha- it's pretty much a challenge when you get to the varsity level. I know the last year that uh, I was in college, we played in Montana. The last football game of the year was the opening night for basketball at South Dakota State. So there's a lot of catch-up to do. <laughs> Your sophomore and junior years, uh, you led the Jackrabbits in receiving uh, football, uh, 30 catches, 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, 10 games, 30 catches, 300 yards, and two touchdowns. That was that was your season. Uh, you were leading the team. That's a, Just think, what if you would have played today, how many uh, receptions you would have had? Well, yeah, <laughs> you think about it. Back in the late 60s, uh, the North Central Conference was basically uh, run-oriented. It was a lot, of, uh, a lot of groundwork back then, and my senior season, I think, for the most part, was was the same thing. But after that, it, it passing game took off. <laughs> sure, and it after been you fun to be part of that. <laughs> right. Well, you had a you had a brand new coach your senior year, and I know Rick Dietz was the leading receiver that year. But uh, what was football like that senior year for you? 
Well, I think we were a team when I was a senior that uh, we had some excellent ball players. In fact, uh, a teammate of mine on that team was Jim Langer, who was uh, elected to the NFL Hall of Fame. That's right. And uh, just an outstanding player. Another player who played some uh, uh, Canadian Pro League, Tim Roth. But we didn't have we didn't have enough skill position players to really to really uh, make a big mark. Yeah, you went four and six, four and six, and three and seven in those uh, three years at SDSU. Was but the, you know the Jacks basketball team was was very successful. Did you ever think about getting out of football and just staying with basketball? Well, between my uh, junior and senior year. Uh, some of the coaches kind of talked to me about that, but I decided that I had, I had signed on and I I had a connection and a loyalty to the players in the class and on the team. I decided that uh, got to got to play this final season and do the best we can. Well, you made the All NCC team in 1969 uh, in football. And then also your sophomore year when you're uh, there at South Dakota State, when it comes to basketball, your sophomore year, oh, my gosh. Look who the Jacks had on that team. You had Guy Mackner, 19 points a game. John Thomas, 16 points a game. Gene Zolk, 14 points a game. And Vern Schoolmeister, 11 points a game. You couldn't you couldn't get in the lineup very often at that time. Well, you know, but there was an advantage to that is they scored a lot of points. If we got ahead, we could get into the game. So. <laughs> and they could score a lot of points. That was uh, that was a team with some great basketball players and a bunch of them. You went to, to the Division Two Great Lakes region, lost to DePaul. That's DePaul, not DePaul. Lost by two. You guys went 20-7 and seven that year. What was special about that team? Well, I think everything everything was on a high. Uh, people were playing good. Everybody on the team got along well. It was just a it was a fun team to be around. And then uh, the traveling and some of the uh, some of the facilities we played in was was pretty darn exciting. Your junior year, the Jacks go eighteen and six, and you guys go to the playoffs again. It's the Division Two Midwest Regional where you lost. Eventually to uh, Southwest Missouri State. You still had Zulk and Thomas on your roster, but then you had Dennis Wolmendorf to the roster. You averaged about five points a game. Uh, what was that team like? Your junior That year. was a good team. That was a really good team. Um, but we also had one other player that uh, played with us when I was a, a junior. His name was Raul Duarte. He was uh, 16-11. He had played his first two years at Iowa State, and transferred to South Dakota State. Uh, he was not only a, a great basketball player, he was a great person and just a lot of fun. So that may have been, in my estimation, one of the best college teams ever assembled in South Dakota with Whoa. Matt Merzolk and, and Duarte and, and John Thomas. And that was a good crew. Yeah, but the following year, your senior year, you guys were better, I think. You were 22-4. and four. You go to the Elite Eight. You know, you got John Eidness, uh, Lee Colburn. You know, you're averaging 14 points a game. What made you guys click your senior year? Well, I think that uh, that may be the, the best team 
that I ever played with as far as a team. I mean, people played together. Uh, I think the, having four seniors with John Eisenhuth, Danny Womander, Mel Thomas, and I, Lee Colburn was a talent. He spent some time in the NBA. But as a freshman, he was a, he was a little overzealous at times, and <laughs> people kind of had to hold him back. But uh, <laughs> the problem with that senior year was Lee Colburn was a freshman. And freshmen were not eligible for NCAA playoffs. So we went to the region and Lee was not eligible. Mm. So we win the region, actually played in Brookings. And probably one of my more memorable nights as a, as a college player, the first night against Central Missouri, I had a, I had a, uh, I don't think it was Central Missouri, but I had a assignment to guard Curtis Perry. That'd be Southwest Missouri State, I believe. And Southwest, correct. And yeah. uh, a year later, he was NBA Rookie of the Year, but he was <laughs> six eight, very agile, very aggressive. And when I saw him on the floor, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> but I watched the tape of him, and when he'd go to shoot, he always turned the same way. He'd go fake left, fake right, and then turn the same way. So the first four or five times he went to shoot, I got the basketball out of his hands. And I think that kind of put him on edge a little bit after that. And he scored some points, but uh, boxed out a little bit, and, and we survived. Won that game by 11. And then you play Central Missouri State at uh, in Brookings, and you win that one by almost twenty. That may have been one of our better performances of that uh, of that crew. Everybody played so well together in that game, and uh, it was pretty darn exciting. Uh, we were playing in the barn, South Dakota State, and I don't know how many people it held, but uh, even if you were on the home team, you got goosebumps in that environment that tells you how loud it was and how exciting it was but then you go to tennessee you play tennessee state in evansville indiana it's the elite eight a close game and you lose by three what was what was the difference in that game at the elite eight well i think the 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 big difference was they had size they were big six seven six eight in the front line across the board and I think it was ninety-two to eighty-nine. The final score. Uh, I think it was a it was a case where being short, Lee Colburn made a huge difference in the game. You know, Lee was six-six, but he had the reach of a person about six-ten. Long, uh, just long arms, and uh, and he was a good one. You played at uh, Wyoming uh, that year, non-conference game, and I, it was one hundred six to sixty-one. Got drubbed, but uh, I think you told me you were uh, you were still playing football uh, that day, right? Well, uh, the last uh, football game in in Montana, I got a I injured my knee. I got a severe hyperextension, and uh, so I wasn't able to practice basketball uh, right away for a couple weeks. And uh, I went to see Coach Marking, and he asked. Uh, How's it going? What do you think? And I said, I think I can go. So, of course. <laughs> uh, so I went to I went to Wyoming. I hadn't been to any practices yet. I went to Wyoming, and I think I played thirteen or fourteen minutes before I'd been to any practices that year. Sure. What was it like though, playing uh, at Wyoming? Uh, you know, it had a nice crowd, uh, non-conference game, 
travel on the road to Wyoming? What was it like? Well, it was a, uh, it was, it was a great atmosphere, but I, I, I didn't think it was a team that, uh, that could have really dominated us if we'd have been at full strength. Sure. They were good, but of course we had to think we were going to play just as hard. Maybe the best offensive game that year may have been when you guys uh, beat Augustana. You beat them uh, in Brookings, one twelve to sixty five. What was special about that game? Well, in basketball, you have those nights when everything is going well, and that night everything was going well. I mean, everybody was scoring. Uh, we had a tendency to run the break, and our team could uh, run the fast break pretty well. And we got uh, we got a big lead, and it just kept going from there. Jim Marking was your coach, great guy, um, great coach. What did Jim Marking mean to you as your coach at SDSU? Well, Jim Marking is a legend, and uh, he's a legend to me. He was a great coach. He he was a psychological coach. If uh, if things were going well, he didn't get on the officials. If things were going bad, he kind of let them have it. <laughs> he was a, he was a character. He liked to be seen on the floor and, uh, but a real mentor. He always had a strategy. He always had a plan. And I have nothing but complete admiration for coach Mark. And he was pretty special. Did he ever have to yell at you? <laughs> uh, I, Probably more than once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, 1974, it's about four years after uh, your playing days are done. I understand you kind of got roped into becoming a basketball referee, and then you did it for over three decades. How did you get into refereeing? Well, I uh, moved to Watertown from Brookings, and I was the director of the boys' club in Watertown. And got to know lots of the people around there. And Doug Peterson, who a uh, South Dakota State graduate, great athlete at South Dakota State football and basketball, uh, he kept asking me if I would uh, get registered and, and get my credentials if they were short a basketball official once in a while. So I did. I took the test. I went to the meetings, and I was all set. And, and I thought, there, I've, I've taken care of this. Well, the first uh, first game of the season, I get the call from Doug. Says, uh, "Hey, I, I need a partner tonight." <laughs> and I said, "Doug, I don't even have any equipment yet." He said, "I'll pick you up at five. And so I was off to Roy's Sports Shop to grab some equipment, and uh, we went to a small town in eastern South Dakota, and it was uh, girls basketball. And at that time. You threw the ball up for every jump ball. And the B-Squad game started at 6.30, and we got done with the varsity game at 10.30. I think there were 100 jump balls a game. It just kept going and going. And fortunately, the Federation changed the rules so that they were alternating possession. (laughs) Well, you were very good at it. You were very good at officiating. And being a pretty good basketball player, did that help you at all as a referee? I think it. Yeah, I think it did. I think it gave you an advantage as far as knowing what was going on out there and what was happening. But I thought officiating was much more challenging than 
playing the game. Playing the game was seemingly easy and fun. This was challenging. You wanted to do a good job for the kids, and you wanted to get things right. And uh, you always have the people in the audience who are taking issue with what you're trying to do. So it was uh, it was really quite an experience. Who was your mentor as an official? Well, I, I started off with Doug Peterson, and uh, I worked with all of the uh, all of the old crew, Capitan and and Dale Weber, and just a just a ton of people that one worked with. And it's a it's a round ball, but it bounces kind of funny. That's what I always thought. Uh, I recall one time that uh, I had a game at uh, Dakota State. Black Hill State was coming in to play Dakota State. The commissioner of the FBIC called me the day before the game and said, hey, your partner sprained his ankle tonight. I need to have you get a referee to go to Dakota State tomorrow night. So I called my high school partner, Rick Romer, and I said, Rick, I said, I got a call to I need to get a person to go with me to Madison tomorrow night. Oh, he said, I didn't want to do college for college uh, basketball because they've got the three-point goal. I said, hey, I've done four or five games already this season. It only happens two or three times. No big deal. So I talked <laughs> him into going. Guess what happens, Craig? Black Hill State has a player by the name of Brad Bowie. He's a, a great basketball player in the Hall of Fame. He makes 13 threes that night, 13 out of 15 attempts for three points and three free throws. He scored 42 points. He was a featured story in Sports Illustrated magazine the next week. And my partner, Rick Bromer, never let me forget about that. He said, yeah, two or three times. Well, Bromer was pretty good, too, as an official, another longtime he, official. He was, a, he was a good, conscientious official. You officiated... 40 boys and girls state basketball tournaments, 14 championship games. Which championship game that you officiated stands out most to you? Well, I think uh, when I think about championship games, I think about, I worked uh, uh, Custer and Lennox in two uh, different basketball state championships. Once when Lance Luchens was a sophomore and once when he was a senior. And Lennox, like the next one, one of the game, and, and Lance Lucian's team, Esther, won the other one. And I think both of those games, put them together, were two of the best basketball games that, uh, that I ever was involved with uh, in the state tournament. What was it like? Larry Lucian's is the coach at Custer. Of course, he was the coach at Webster when you were in high school. What was it like? You're the referee in his state championship game. What was that uh, relationship like? Well, it was interesting. I remember he stood up and at once when he, I don't think he favored the call that I had made. When I went by, he just said, hi. <laughs> he looked at me. <laughs> I said, sorry, coach, but that's the way I saw it. <laughs> oh. um, which gymnasium was the hardest to officiate in? Well, if you were involved in, in some uh, uh, some small schools, you know, places like going down to Hurley, and, uh, I mean, it's shocking how, how small they are. A couple of the schools up in the Northeast, Russell, and some of those, you went everywhere when you did high school sports to begin with. Uh, I mean, there was, there was virtually no room 
but you got her done. Strangest call you ever had to make as an official. Was there one? I mean, there were so many exceptional situations. I don't think there's one that really, really pops out. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things I remember about officiating was that every pregame, a point of emphasis for me during the pregame meeting was to speak to my partner or partners that, hey, we're only out here for a couple hours. These kids got their whole life and soul and coaches, so we owe it to them to do the best we can. And and uh, I think that's the thing I'm most proud of, that I was always part, part of crews that, that tried to do the best. Any other refing stories like forgetting your pants or forgetting your whistle or your, or your shoes once you get to the place you're going to be refing? Well, yeah, I, I do remember once I, I went to Centerville to uh, officiate, and uh, Bruce Ferry was my partner. And I had left a message for him about how we were going to connect. Well, at the same time, uh, the director of the South Dakota State Amateur Hall of Fame had called him and me and left a message about riding with somebody, but no names were given. So. Uh, I went to pick him up and he wasn't there and he had, he thought he was going to a different assignment. So I went to Centerville and I, I worked the, I worked the B game and by myself. And then I went into the locker room and, uh, Ron Lounsbury, who was the athletic director, he uh -huh. said, he said, you know, he said, it was the fourth quarter before I looked out and realized you were alone. <laughs> oh, and, man. yeah, I was alone. And uh, oh, oh. It, it, we got by, but uh, it was something I, I remember. You refereed for 36 years. Why did you referee for 36 years? Well, I think it was the joy of being part of the game. I, you know, basketball is a wonderful game. And when you become somewhat proficient at it. You're always trying to approve, improve. And um, I focused on high school basketball because if you were employed, working a college schedule was virtually impossible. I mean, to go from, to go to Grand Forks or, or one of the Minnesota schools or whatever to officiate a college game, it was tough. So I focused on, uh, on high school basketball. It truly was the love of the game. It was fun being part of it. It was fun uh, seeing that that uh, young sophomore turn into a skilled senior and, mm -hmm. and enjoy the, the successes that, that the kids had on the floor. Got a couple more for you, Clyde. You're in the South uh, the SDSU Hall of Fame, South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the South Dakota Basketball Coaches Hall of Shrine. You're also in the South Dakota Amateur Softball Association Hall of Fame. You've got all sorts of records in track and field. There wasn't any sport that uh, you were not very good at. Although I did notice one thing there, Clyde. I got one, and let me explain. Senior year, SDSU basketball. You could sh you could shoot from anywhere on the floor, Clyde, except the free throw line. For some <laughs> reason, you were 36 of 101. That's 35% from the free throw line. What happened that year? <laughs> well, I was... Uh... <laughs> Uh, in high school, I was 75, 77% free throw shooter. And <laughs> first couple of years in, in college, no problem doing well. But I came out uh, first 
basketball game after football. I hadn't been to a practice yet. And I was a sophomore, and I went into uh, the game in the second half. I hadn't gone to any practices yet. And lo and behold, I get in the game, and I get fouled on a layup. And when I shoot the ball, it goes about two-thirds of the way to the rim and drops oh, on the floor. Oh. <laughs> and and so I was the uh, I was the brunt of uh, good-natured ridicule from the whole team, and uh, they thought that was kind of funny. I'm six four, two hundred and forty pounds, but I can't get the ball to the rim. And you talked about Burns Schoolmeister earlier on in uh, yeah. in the interview, and uh, Burns was assistant coach. So the next week after that happened, every time we were shooting free throws, he come stand alongside me and he shoot it halfway to the basket. So it, it really became a thing. <laughs> I mean, I just, if every time I went to the free throw line, that's what I was thinking. And uh, it affected me. There's no doubt about wow. it. Well, what a great honor to be in all of those hall of fames. We talked about, uh, what does it mean to you, Clyde? When you think back, you know, go back to the, the late sixties, uh, early seventies and those playing days at Webster and South Dakota state and, what you were able to accomplish. Well, it's so special to, to have all the memories and all the memories of the great people that I met and played with and played against over the years. And um, you go back and wish you could have done some things better. But it, uh, one of the things that sometimes comes to mind is, I don't know how I was able to do it, actually, because in college, the sports overlapped so much. It was very difficult to catch up from one season to the next. And all in all, I just say it was all worth it. I enjoyed every minute of it. Do you still have the key to the armory in Webster? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, that was, a, that was a secret that was well kept. And I, I, uh, I, I truly think that helped me develop as a basketball player because it didn't didn't matter what the winter weather was. I could always flip down to the army and shoot around and dream of playing in a state tournament or dream of beating another team. And, um, and for me, those dreams kind of became realized. In Play with Craig Maddock is made possible by Horton in Britain, where smiling at work happens all the time. Apply now at hortonww.com. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.